0: Beloved Church
1: of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. So allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before. All of the works of devil, illnesses, Poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest you, and the ark of your greatness. And may our saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 and 48 So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The title of the sermon was given to our pastor called to Perfection. We know that this promised commandment is written in the book of Matthew and it is presented to us in the series of sermons of Pastor Akadi on Sunday. and It is the inheritance of the saints of all time. And this commandment is addressed by Christ himself to his disciples. And therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. And so we have talked about the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person expressed in the ability to clothe our essence into the holy, the selective love of God. Colossians 3, verses 14-15 But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Based on these words, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God, because when we talk about the peace of God or peace with God, we see the presence of the righteousness of God in our hearts it is possible only under one condition if the selective or the holy love of god will dwell in our hearts and we will be clothed in the selective love of god and the character of the selective love of god is presented by the holy spirit in seven virtues and they are written in second peter chapter 1 verses 2 through 8 let us list them this is virtue knowledge self control patience godliness, brotherly love, and love. As we know, each individual virtue of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of all other virtues because they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and are found in one another. These virtues are also the moral perfection and standards that are inherent to the essence of God given to us through Christ Jesus, in which we are called to become enriched with in our lives. And to enter into the inheritance of these virtues is possible only by accepting the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life and the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And at the end, by through the inheritance of these great and precious promises, we are finally made partakers of God's essence. We see that all are clothed in this action, that a Christian has gained these seven virtues. God is interested in them. We are interested in them. The Church of Christ is interested in them. Because through this, we can be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And perfection is not found in my my knowledge, my omnipotence, my, my might. No, this is the quality of God. Perfection is the quality of God. And it is going to illuminate, these are the qualities that will illuminate the people of God. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, brotherly love, godliness and love. If we have these things, scripture says that you are perfect as your Heavenly Father. The selective love of God expressed in seven unearthly virtues and characteristics has nothing in common with the nature of tolerant human love, filled with selfishness, ignorance, And inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the unconditional selective love of God differs in that it carries the all consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence, and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. With this, it is the fruit of the selective love of God contained in the format of seven virtues that is called to destroy the power of death in our body and replace it with the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. And let's uh, let's quickly remember these seven characteristics, virtue, knowledge, self-control, uh, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. What they mean. This this is all that we have studied that Pastor Akadi has offered us in in studying these sermons. And this is what we were able to, to take from them that talking about virtue, the selected love of God, we have established the origin and the source of all good. This is God. God is the origin and source of all good. The origin of all evil is devil and Satan. Whereas a second quality knowledge in the selected love of God is called to give us discerning of what is good and what is bad, or what God views as good and what he views as evil. What I call evil and good... No one is is hot or cold from this, but what God calls good or evil, here we must incline our ear to it and obey this word. The third quality, the self-control in us, gives us the power to choose what God views as good and reject what He views as evil. The fourth quality, the patience of Christ and the selected love of God, it is founded on the ability to look at what God views as good and wait with hope and patience for the fulfillment of what we have seen in our spirit. The discipline of godliness and the selected love of God is called to keep itself undefiled from what God views as evil and hallow God in our hearts and souls. Brotherly love and the selected love of God serves as the guide from death to life, death to life, because we love the brethren, and whoever does not love his brother abides in death. This is the path out of death to life. In a certain format. Out of the seven characteristics that define in our essence the selective love of God and the perfection of His selective love, we have already studied five components, and therefore let us turn to the sixth characteristic. This is brotherly love. The selective love of God, discovering itself in brotherly love, can dwell and express itself in the atmosphere of eternal life, in which we have gone from death when we were born from the seed of the word of the truth. When we were born again, we had to go from the state of death into the state of life. And this is defined by love toward the church. Love toward the church. You were the children of God that are born again. Remember when you were born again and then you had accepted baptism in the Holy Spirit. We loved the saints. We did not see any blemish in anyone. It's later on that we began to see envy, slander, gossip, and other qualities with which we must battle with and which we needed to forgive. But in the beginning, this was not so. We were filled with love towards all saints. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14-18 We know that we have moved from death to life. Have passed from death to life as pastor says not we feel or we think scripture says we know we know that we have gone from death to life why because we love the brethren he who does not love his brother dwells in death but you know
2: that
1: no murder has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has his world goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love uh, in word or in tongue, but indeed and in truth. Therefore, when a person is born of God, he is offered the decision or the opportunity to either enter into a state of death and to become dead to God and unfit for any good deed or to enter into the state of eternal life and demonstrating brotherly love considering that brotherly love steps into its sovereign rights and gains its legitimacy when we leave the state of infancy then the method to leave infancy includes four uh, very four very important components we have gone from death to life and now it's very important to leave infancy. Why? Because tomorrow we will be met with slander. Tomorrow we will see certain qualities upon which we will uh, which we will fall. What must we do? We must momentarily leave infancy. And there are four things in which we must leave infancy. Otherwise, we will slip and fall. We must leave infancy. This is a very, uh, very terrifying part of a carnal person. A person for 50, 60 years goes to church. This is no longer infancy. This is carnalness. Let's simply talk about infancy. What does it mean to infa- leave infancy to check whether or not we have left it? Here are four characteristics that Pastor Kadi offers us. First, to leave infancy is, through the revelation in our heart, to acknowledge over us the authority of the person who is clothed in the power uh, and and our refusal to explore the vast internet and evangelic gatherings which this person is not the head of. Second, to leave infancy is, through instruction and faith, leave and reject our nation, the house of our Father in the corrupt desires of our soul that are focused on so-called good works.
2: Third, to leave infancy
1: is through instruction in faith, is to seal in the tablets of our heart, The truth of the teaching of a reigning teaching of Christ on the tablets of our heart that have been cleansed from dead works. So if our heart is not cleansed and on it is not sealed the truth of the teaching of Christ, then a person has not left infancy. And fourth, to leave infancy is, through instruction in faith, to accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Ruler of our life. So these four, these minimum four four signs that will show us if we were able to leave infancy. No, these are not characteristics of a spiritual Christian. These are characteristics to simply leave infancy. Proceeding from the revelations of Scripture, the nature of brotherly love, which forms in our hearts the atmosphere of eternal life, is hid in the love of God, agape, and unlike the three types of human love, it is beyond the emotional and rational capabilities that cannot penetrate into the approachable light of the fourth dimension. Brotherly love, love is in is an agape, and agape is there where God dwells. Brotherly love, again, is in an agape, and agape is there where God dwells, which is in the church, in the heart, and in the heart that trembles before the word of God. It will be necessary for us to answer four classic questions. By what characteristics do we define people who are a part of the category of our brothers for whom we are called to lay down our lives in order to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? Second, what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in brotherly love toward one another? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill to demonstrate the selective love of God and brotherly love in our faith? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of brotherly love toward one another in the selective love of God? We must know that we are not talking about those brothers in flesh and blood or those that wear pants, but Brotherly love among saints. As written, let brotherly love continue. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. And so in a certain format, we have already studied the first three questions and demonstrating the selective love of God and brotherly love, and we have stopped to study the fourth question, which sounds like this. By which signs or by which fruit should we test ourselves for the subject of brotherly love toward one another in the selective love of God?
2: And
1: today we will study... Two signs or two fruits. Scripture says, by their fruit you will know them. Let's take a look and see whether or not we have brotherly love. And today we will look at two important signs. And so the first result or the first sign sounds like this. The result of our demonstration of brotherly love in our faith will be when we cast out from the circle of our fellowship the person who secretly slanders our neighbor. just as David had done. Let's read about this in Psalms 101, verses 5 through 8. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house he who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. According to the meaning of this prayer song of David, it follows that the words of this song are a certain parable. When David says, early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Then with these words, he pursues the goal of destroying the wicked thoughts and desires that come from the depths of the old man that lives in his body. You will say, So you won't point fingers now? Pastor doesn't allow fingers to be pointed from the pulpit. You must see all of this in yourselves. Only the person whom God has breathed the breath of his life and said to him, As my Father sent me, so I send you. And this gives him the right with this arreement to forgive or to leave sins. This is the person that can point the finger. Well, this is just uh, obviously this is um, very matter of fact speaking, but yes, he can either forgive or retain sins. Here, so here it says to destroy all the wicked of the land, meaning to destroy all of the wicked desires and and the lusts that live in the depths of the old man. And when David says that he is going to destroy all the wicked of the land from the early morning, under which, under which we 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 mean the resurrection of Christ then this kind of action is possible only under one condition. If the grace of Christ has reigned in our body through the fruit of righteousness grown by us that acts in the boundaries of the law of the spirit of life. It turns out that in order to live in grace, it is necessary, as it is written here, to grow the fruit of righteousness that acts in the limits of the law of life. So it is necessary to offer fruit. I can be found in the era of grace after the resurrection of christ the era of grace has began well forgive me well how many people right now are under grace not very many we read that this is that person that has been able to grow in himself the fruit of righteousness that dwells in the land of the spirit of life those who are in the era of grace after the resurrection of christ are found under the law and not found under the law they are found under the anger of the law being found under the anger of the law they are found under all of the curse of the law those people who lived under the law during the times of the Old Testament somehow had found grace before God. The curse of the law was nullified, and the grace of God was directed at them and Scripture says that he had gained grace, uh, he had gained grace or favor before the sight of the
2: Lord.
1: Out of these words, it follows that this place of Scripture has a triple meaning in which participates three kind of neighbors, and so these three kind of neighbors for which I must cast out the one who slanders them. Who is this neighbor? This is our new man, our spirit. This is the messenger of God who represents Christ, and third, this is the brother in Christ in church who has uh, the dignity of a neighbor in the face of an orphan the fatherless the widow and this is how we can define the person whom the wicked slanders and in order to define in ourselves brotherly love and the ability and the readiness to destroy all the wicked of the land that live in our that live in us and try to slander our neighbor we must do so. Through several, uh, through three different in three different
2: dimensions, Scripture says, "I
1: give you Urim and I give you the ability to leave and to retain sins." This belongs to the pastors, and another quality of our neighbor, again as we know, is are the saints in church who are the fatherless, orphans widows. And so, first thing, if we view our neighbor in the face of our new man, then to blame him in our heart or slander him can be done by the old man through the pride of the rational capabilities of the soul of a person, for which a person has refused to accept the power of the cross of Christ. And therefore, my spirit, or who slanders against him? The old man. But what does the old man use? He needs an instrument. The instrument of the old man is our soul, our rational capabilities that we have not passed through the death of Christ and he the old man uses our rational capabilities our intellect all of that which has not gone through the death of Christ and he directs against our he directs it against our spirit and this happens when a person looking upon the uh, perfection of the law of truth blames himself in his mind against the ministry of justification when this, when does this happen this happens when a person looking upon the perfection the law of truth blames himself in his mind against the ministry of justification trying to attain justification without understanding the righteousness of God and having been strengthened to place his own righteousness and his works that have come from his flesh so we don't want to accept the righteousness of a god or justification based on based on based on his words people are saying I will pa- I will fast I will pray. I will read the Bible to feel righteous. You can't feel righteous. You need to agree and to consider yourself righteous on the basis of Scripture. Let us take a look at how Israel had tried to do this, and they had passed passed by the goal, trying to affirm themselves in their own righteousness and their personal righteousness. Romans chapter ten, verses two. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteous of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to be in Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. So again, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. What word? This word that is preached to you that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here we don't see uh, any Gentiles or Jews, because there is one God for all. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, how then shall... They call on Him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I read the Bible. Scripture says, faith is from hearing. How do you believe in the one whom you have never heard about? People say, I've been going to church for 50 years. He says, you have never heard about Christ. Because you came to church as a controller, not as a disciple. How do you believe in him of whom you have never heard? How can you hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. here he said the anatomy about how we cooperate with god so it is necessary we see here to believe with the heart and to proclaim with our lips to righteousness and to salvation he says how is this possible to do when you have not heard about christ how do you hurry about christ someone must tell you so he who is speaking these things to you is he a messenger of God doesn't matter let him read the Bible to me no even Satan can read the Bible when he was met with Christ he began to uh, tell him about the Bible he said but of you in the Bible is written he said this with respect he didn't say this as uh, the hooligan uh, charismatics do when he speaks with the Word of God who represents the law he never jokes and he speaks with authority he says of it is written of you in your word with great uh, with great respect toward Christ but he was not sent by God he was sent by God only to test Christ there perhaps those who are sent by God if we with the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ have separated ourselves from our nation, our household and our corrupt desires and consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God and call the inexistent power of life in our body as existent then this is evidence that we from the early morning destroy all the wicked of the land in order to erase from the midst of the Lord all those who 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 are wicked, so we call the inexistent as existent. We consider ourselves dead to sin. We know that this allows God to impute to us righteousness. We have received justification. Now from justification we must go to righteousness. How must how can we go to righteousness? There's gonna be a price that I pay. And as soon as I feel myself righteous, as soon as I try to hold on to hold on to this feeling, try not to sin, try not to miss service, feel righteous, well you're never gonna feel yourselves righteous, and you're never gonna be able to keep it. If you keep this feeling, you're gonna keep it for one day and not longer scripture says that we must receive an advance uh, righteousness as an advance which God will place on our accounts of course it is given as an advance it, we it is necessary for us to return it but this advance he has given to us and it will allow us to go from what God has imputed to us and to bring it into the fruit of righteousness otherwise it's impossible to go from righteousness to from justification to righteousness. He must view us as righteous. We must grow in righteousness, calling the inexistent as existent. I call the inexistent as existent, but Take a look at what lives in me. Then the second thing, what pastor offers us, second is to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. First, call the inexistent as existent. I thank you, Lord, for that which I do not have, but I have it in my spirit in Christ Jesus. I have it. And the second thought that comes, he says, look at yourself. And then the second, all right, good. I will consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. So these two things to call the inexistent as existent and then right after this immediately right after this uh, after this to consider myself dead and alive to god because when we call that which we do not have momentarily the old man uses our rational capabilities that have not gone through death he uses them against us and he says stop lying stop lying to yourself you know all of your desires all your thoughts you know who you who are you lying to Old man, okay. Now the second thing the pastor has told me is to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. And here then the old old man begins to uh to move away and to hide. So this was the first, first component. Second, if we view our neighbor in the face of our Lord, who is clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God, then to slander him in our heart is possible only by that person who does not live under the shadow of the Most High, and who is not found under the cover of the Most High, because he refused to have a veil on his, because he refused to have a veil on his head. So, if the enemy for our spirit, because we know that our spirit, um, the enemy is the old man, here we also see who can slander against the delegated authority, only the person who does not acknowledge God's order and and who is not found under the shadow of the Almighty. To be found in church does not mean to be found under the shadow or under the cover of it. We understand this. Therefore, a person who secretly slanders against his neighbor, who is delegated by the Holy Spirit to represent the fatherhood of God, is a person who blames the messenger of God in his heart, which is the atmosphere of the mystery of lawlessness. This is the mystery of lawlessness, and it is a very dangerous thing. Usually when a person has the mystery of lawlessness, this is was expressed previously. A certain respect toward But inside, a person has a strong cascade of slander and disagreement with this person. But outwardly, he uh, expresses respect toward this person. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 39. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and anointed them with a the fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, again, he spoke to himself, where the mystery of lawlessness is located. He thought to himself, if, he, if this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman This is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Well, forgive me. In order to see a sinning woman, you don't need to be a prophet. They are seen with an unarmed glance. In order to see a person who is growing corrupt in his deceitful lusts, you don't need to be a prophet to see a person like this. But this person thought that here you have to be a prophet in order to see the sinner. First and foremost, sinners um, sinners were dressed a certain way in Israel. They had a certain garment of a harlot, of a sinner. People must understand this. And here, Christ knew. Christ knew who was coming near to Him. But pay attention. A very un- unique method of blaming. To blame the sinner through the delegator, Representative of God. So practically, take a look. He said, she is a sinner. The fact that she is repenting, the fact that she is crying, doesn't matter. Her name is Sinner. Who cares to accept a justification? She's a sinner and he was, he judged, condemned her. But when we condemn her, we first and foremost condemn Christ. If he were to be an anointed man of God, then he would know her. That's what. That's the words that he had used. And A person who blames his neighbor in his heart or slanders a neighbor is a person with a pride eyes and a lofty heart who has the audacity in his heart to blame his neighbor from which depends on his salvation. To slander means not having any powers to blame, to judge, and so forth. We will note that at the head of every slander in which a person does not have the ability to judge his neighbor from which depends his salvation, Satan stands behind this action who uses the power of his name under the name slander. As a slander Satan does not acknowledge the power of the cross of Christ that uh, that uh, that blots out sin. And the name slander is one of the names of the fallen cherubim who uses before God his slander blaming them or blaming his brothers in his heart day and night. Revelation chapter 12, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. This war in heaven can also happen inside. Here is the war of between the law of godliness and the law of lawlessness. But they did not pre- prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the servant of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. And so, before we blame our neighbor, we will remember that from him depends our salvation and our entrance into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ as it is written for all the promises of God. In him, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. This is written by Apostle Paul. He was a person who, who trembled before the word of God. And this phrase had was misunderstood by many. For all the promises of God in Him were yes and in Him. And th- in, uh, in, in Him, amen to the glory of God through us, through the apostles. Furthermore, the slander, by slandering our neighbor in our hearts, we lose the opportunity to receive forgiveness for sins. John chapter 20, th- so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained furthermore slandering our neighbor we lose the opportunity to believe in him whom God has sent John chapter 6 verses 28 through 29 then they said to him what shall we do that we may work the works of God Jesus answered and said to them this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent and also by slandering our neighbor in our heart, we lose the ability to have a relationship or communication with God and to walk like Him in the light so that we can have fellowship with one another in which the blood of Jesus Christ through the confession of sins receives the opportunity to cleanse us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6-10 through 10. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So, to walk in darkness is to have the mystery of lawlessness in our heart, to slander, the messengers of God. Then we will look at saints who are presented for us, presented in three categories, the orphans, the widow, and the foreigners. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We are in no need of this light. We do not need the blood to cover us. I have, I don't need what you are talking about, and people say. Scripture says that these kind of people are lying to themselves. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here we can walk in the light, and by walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And this kind of a person, having this correct relationship, has does not just have relationship with one another, with one another but the person whom God has established His delegated authority, so that we can confess our sins, and our sins could be let go. Apostle Paul said, It won't be for your benefit if my heart is heavy. We we might think, Apostle Paul, why do we care about your heart or about your mood? We have God. He says, my dear friends, this for you will be unhealthy if my heart is going to be in turmoil. And then he could say all of the promises in Christ Jesus, in him and amen, but only through me. And you are not interested for my heart because this limits Me to do something for you. Or, more specifically, you limit Me to do something for you. He says, My heart is expanded to you, to the Corinthians. But in your hearts there is no place for Me. And so now what? You limit yourselves to receive grace from the Apostle. You limit yourself. Apostle, as a father, he's always open. He always wants to give. God always wants to give. And he says, take. So we're sitting in church. Each of us comes with his own measure. In what measure he wants to fill the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's funny to see these small vessels. A person comes to the ocean and takes a small cup. You need this for a full joy, this small cup, to fill the small cup. You need the small cup to fill it with full joy. Well, don't you want to just jump into the ocean? No, that's a big price. Why? I'll just, I'll just take the cup, and and that'll be enough for me. This can't continue on forever, and it won't. Practically, according to this testimony of scripture, this kind of, uh, the kind of audacity to blame or to slander. The na- a neighbor in our heart points to the state of a lofty heart that is not cleansed of dead works. If we have upon our head a veil for glory before God, preparing our heart to hearing the preached word of the person who is clothed with the Holy Spirit and the powers of the fatherhood of God, then this is evidence that we, from the early morning, are worried our are busy to destroy all of the wicked from the land from the early morning. And in this manner, we keep and affirm ourselves in the discipline of brotherly love through which we have gone from the state of death into the state of life. And so, if we view our neighbor in the face of our brother in the church who has the dignity of our neighbor in the face of uh, the fatherless, the sojourner, and the widow, then, Only a person who behaves deceitfully can blame Him. Our house is a sphere of our responsibility, beginning from our thought that comes from our heart and in our soul, and it concludes with our surroundings, for which we must be a salt, a city set on a hill, and a light in the house of God. As it is written, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand... And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, to subject this component, it follows that if we are the salt of the earth, a light to the earth, and a light in the house of in the house of God, then we, like David, will be able to testify that whoever secretly slanders his neighbor. Him I will destroy, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart. Him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the
0: Lord. This
1: kind of proclamation of the faith of God will mean that we have in our heart the atmosphere of brotherly love and we have passed on from the state of death into the state of life this was the first result of the first fruit according to which we define the presence of brotherly love in our heart and so the second result or the second fruit of our demonstration of brotherly love in our faith
2: The second result,
1: or the fruit of our demonstration and our ability to demonstrate brotherly love is our ability to be successful in brotherly love and be diligent, diligent in leading a quiet life. To mind our own business and to work with our own hands. To work with our own hands, I highlight, own hands. That we may walk properly toward those who are outside and that we may lack nothing. First Thessalonians chapter four verses nine through twelve. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are all in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Be diligent. But we urge you, brethren that you increase more and more, that you also be diligent to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. And so, in this place of Scripture, to be successful in brotherly love, it is necessary to be diligent and aspire to live a quiet life, second, to mind your own business, and third, to work with our own hands. Let us take a look at what kind of definitions pastor gives us. So, to mind your own business. What does it mean to mind your own business? This is not talking about business, to make your own business. It's not bad to do your own business. A lot of people are businessmen. But to mind your own business is to fulfill functions in the body of Christ according to the effective working by which every part does its share tied to the gift that we have received from God according to His grace. As written, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the Head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So to do your own work, every person has their own work, not a business, their work. Imagine, in the church, every small child has his own work to do. Every elder has their work. A person who does not have a voice, or he can't play piano, he can't say a poem, he has a certain work in the church of God. He does have one. And sometimes simply just sitting in church, sitting in church, and you know, sometimes, this is very important, very important, to sometimes just come and sit. Very important. And I usually try to just come and sit when I know that no one will come. No one will come. Well, who wants to, on Sunday mornings, come and pray? Who wants to pray in the morning? There are no fools, right?
2: (laughs) Dima
1: You can't just come out and speak to an empty room. I can't allow for this. Of course, I'm not alone there. There are a few other saints. My service is not here to read to you. My service is to fill those places where that no one wants to come to. This is my service that for which I will receive a great reward. The fact that I'm reading up here is good. My main goal right now is to not add or to take away. I know that sometimes I can come out and I can just—my uh, service is to fill myself with those places that no one wants to, where no one wants to go. This is my calling. To do, to mind your own business. Second, what does it mean to work with our own hands? It is to not act disorderly and to not lead a parasitic way of life. So that it is possible to first honor God with tithes and offerings, and second, offer help to our needy neighbors. This was what it means to work with our own hands and to live quietly. Is to be found in the rest of God or to have peace with God and those that surround us in the boundaries of holiness and as an expression of holiness and to enter into this legal regal quiet, quietness of peace to keep it and affirm it we need to apply all diligent, so it is strong diligence strong desire to live quietly Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 pursue peace with all people in holiness Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people in holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Quietness, yielding peace with God, that does not abide in the boundaries of holiness and is not an expression of holiness cannot be called divine quietness or stillness, which allows a person to lead a quiet life and have peace with God. We should note that the atmosphere of quietness presented in the coolness of day is found in three dimensions. This is the atmosphere of quietness that must be found in the height of the heavens, second, the sanctuary in the face of the bread of the Lamb, so in the church, and third, in a contrite heart of a person that trembles upon hearing the preached Word of God. And these three substances must be found the quietness of God. And Scripture says, have diligence to have this quietness on all three of these substances. Third, First Kings chapter nineteen verses eleven to twelve. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. First Kings chapter nineteen verses eleven through twelve the character of the still small voice of the wind in the face of the Holy Spirit was called to discover itself in the heart of a person and in the assembly of saints when they gathered together in an atmosphere of worship toward God. And if the character of quietness yielding the order of God in the body of Christ in the still waters of Siloam is neglected and replaced by stormy waters, which stipulate a different order in worshiping God, then we are not worshiping God, but the spirit of seduction posing as the Holy Spirit, which has nothing to do with the nature of quietness. So Satan has no relation to the character of quietness. And pastor will say, well, how about those mausoleums where there is nothing? It's a dead mausoleum. We will talk about them. Pastor will will talk about what these are. But talking in general... The atmosphere of quietness is the atmosphere that Satan cannot endure. He hates quietness. The order of quietness and worship to God is an atmosphere of peace in the heart that is impossible to shake or cause doubt because behind this atmosphere of peace stands the authority of the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart. John chapter 14, verses 26 to 27. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you.
2: My peace I give to you.
1: Give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Quietness that cannot discover itself in a voice that comes from the still small wind does not have a right to be called quietness. Here we must highlight that dead mausoleums, if in this there was a firm teaching, because quietness is a certain trembling, trembling, what am I I trembling before? What are we trembling before? And when people sit, sometimes you look and sometimes you see on TV, people listen to a preacher and trembling and I think, he has not brought up one place of scripture. He is speaking stories and fables, and how can people live with this? They l- look and wait and wait with desire. They write something down in their notebooks, I thought. How could you write this down? He just took an ana- he just said an anecdote. What are you going to write down? There is no principle here. Who needs this hypocrisy? You don't need to write anything down, but there dwells quietness, respect. Toward what, though? Quietness that cannot discover itself in the voice that comes from the still, small wind. The the voice of God comes from the state of the still, small wind. The Word of God comes from the state of the still small will wind in which dwells the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. The teaching of the Word of God, that is, Urim and Thumim comes from the still small wind. And it can dwell only there where there is divine quietness. If there, if it is not, then it cannot be called divine whole, divine quietness. Job 4, 12-16 Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men. Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, the hair of my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence, then I heard a voice. Here, when there is still, small voice or silence, we will hear the voice of the revelation. And now that we have been reminded in short definitions of the nature of unearthly quietness that is called to yield the nature of a still, small wind in our heart and the actions of the Holy Spirit, we will turn to diligence, our diligence that allows us to live quietly. Try to live diligently to live in this quietness. In which He reveals His Word, and through which He speaks again. What is quietness? I just read about it. Can you specifically tell me? Yes, of course, I can tell you. Quietness is the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, in which He can reveal to us. It turns out that Arim has its own meme in this revelation. On this revelation, the Word of God can be revealed only in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, this divine quietness. That is why Christ, when He began to preach, He had placed everyone in rows. On the grass, Scripture says, He always looked to make sure there is order. He was a very interesting person. Before speaking precious words, He conducted complete order. Apostle Paul, when he spoke, he also conducted complete order. This kind of order in which you can hear a fly. We hear about how a person had fallen and was broken, but then he prayed for him and he had risen. What does this mean? Someone will say, oh, resurrection. No, order. This order. People with such desire listen to him in the atmosphere of the quietness of God. Why? Because this atmosphere of quietness, divine quietness, is the atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit dwells, in which He reveals His Word by the Holy Spirit. Diligence diligence to live quietly it is a strong desire the strong thirst and hunger to find god and know god while dwelling in the atmosphere brotherly love that can be kept and affirmed if we diligently strive to live quietly and when god seeing our desire to diligently live quietly he discovers himself Himself in our heart in his unearthly quietness this means the holy spirit enters our heart as the lord and ruler of our life we need to create an atmosphere of quietness for him to do this John chapter seven verses thirty seven to thirty nine. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So here, he didn't just say if anyone thirsts, thirst meaning if anyone is diligent, diligent is strong thirst. If anyone is diligent or thirsts Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. As soon as the prayer loses the element of diligence in which a person searches to know the will of God, the Holy Spirit leaves this person. Because of this, man loses his virtue as a warrior of prayer. Pay attention here: How can one lose the status of quietness? As soon as the prayer of a person loses the loses diligence, the strong desire, strong desire. As soon as it loses diligent, and hunger and thirst for the knowledge of God or the will of God, the Holy Spirit who who represents this quietness in our heart, he leaves us. if I don't have desire the Holy Spirit who represents in the heart of a person quietness, the still small wind he leaves this kind of a person because of this, man loses his virtue as a warrior of prayer and so what is diligence? today we're talking about how to keep and hold on to uh, to the diligence in which he reveals to us his word diligence means that he can hold on to the state it is The good will to fulfill the will of God, favor to the desires of God, attraction to the fulfillment of God's commands, position of our heart in the fulfillment of God's commands, the desire of good that comes from the good will of man, a mindful and voluntary dependence on fulfilling the will of God, the joy that is received from fulfilling the will of God, obedience or agreement to the will of God, our care for the fulfillment of the will of God, and favorable perception of the will of God. This is diligence that will allow us to do what? To keep, hold on to this atmosphere of quietness. The atmosphere of quietness is the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit and whose um, our diligence to live quietly can be realized only through diligent prayer which gives God the basis to build an atmosphere of peace in our heart. And so what is a diligent prayer? Again, what is diligence? Diligence is the ability to keep the state of quietness, the state of the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in which He can do something for me. This can only be um, had by a person who is a prayer. And Pastor talked about what a diligent prayer for us is. Diligent prayer is seen by God as a sacrifice that is brought by a prince diligently that is equal to the sacrifice of the seventh day, which is an atmosphere of brotherly love in which man searches for God's favor in order to live quietly. Ezekiel chapter 46 verse 12. Now, when the prince makes a diligent burnt offering or diligent peace offering to the Lord, the gate that faces toward the east shall then be opened for him, and he shall prepare his burnt offering. So, again, all the gates are closed. Right now, it's not the Sabbath. But the prince had a strong desire to serve God. Everyone comes back to service. The choirs are placed. The gates are opened. And... the service begins to start because there is a prince that had a strong desire. Everything in the essence of a person begins to serve God. And he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings as he did on the Sabbath day. Despite the fact that today is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Sunday, he says, just as he had did this on the Sabbath, he will do this. Then, as soon as a person has diligence, God calls this a Sabbath. God is comforted in us. Why? Because it's an atmosphere of quietness. Let this be Monday. But for God, this is a Sabbath. It's a feast. Why is it a feast? Because the Prince came according to a strong desire. And then he shall go out, and after he goes out, the gate shall be shut. The choirs will go home until the next prince wants to come according to diligence to come and praise the name of the Lord. According to this place of scripture, it follows that to diligently aspire to live quietly and thus make our heart a place of rest for the Most High. It is necessary to have the dignity of a prince in our essence. I believe they remember that in the word prince means a man who owns his horse. Therefore, to be a prince is to dominate over the emotional capabilities of our soul with the rational capabilities of our soul and this kind of dominance is possible only when the rational abilities of our soul and the dignity of our prince are made completely dependent on the rational abilities of our new man who is the priest of our essence and the dignity of the mind of Christ.
2: So this is the kind
1: of correlation here. We see the prince, we see the prince, and we must have uh, Prince in our spirit, a renewed thinking who comes according to diligence and He fulfills the service. When He fulfills the service, then Israel, for him, for them this is a Sabbath, this is a feast. Every cell of a holy person endures this this feast. Why? Because we have the strong desire. We have simply this strong desire, this diligence. And this is not emotional. Again, let's remember, what is a prince? A prince is a person who dominates over the emotional capabilities of his soul, over the, with the rational capabilities of his soul. These are the rational capabilities that push the emotions and say, follow me. When the door of the temple will be opened, when worship will begin, he will say, Lord, I did not know that on Monday, Monday can be like the Sabbath. Yes, Monday can be like the Sabbath to Christ. Second, again we're to continue to talk about diligence. A diligent prayer is seen by Scripture as obeying the voice of the Lord in the face of his messengers, in which man demonstrates brotherly love in his faith.
2: Zechariah chapter six verse fifteen.
1: And those from afar shall come and build the temple of the Lord. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Diligence directed to obeying the voice of the Lord in the preached word of the person who represents the fatherhood of God is irrefutable evidence in which we demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. Furthermore, diligence aimed at obeying the voice of the Lord in the preached word of the person, representing the fatherhood of God, in which we show brotherly love in our faith, indicates that we are led by the Spirit of God, which is a confirmation that we are children of God. Romans 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So pay attention here. In order to accept the messenger of God, it is necessary to also be led by the Spirit of God, and to be led by the Spirit of God is not the ability to hear supernatural voices, but this is to be obedient to the voice who, says to me, who speaks to me from the face of God. We must know that to be led by the Holy Spirit is to not make our own conclusions, but to make our conclusions dependent on the conclusions of a person, of the man of God, whom God has established for us. And therefore, diligence aimed at obeying the voice of the Lord, the preached word of the person representing the fatherhood of God, in which we show brotherly love in our faith, points to the fact that we obey the voice of the Lord, and that He knows us, and that we follow Him on His path. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is talking about diligent prayer. Diligent prayer is obedience to the voice of God. And this is when our faith cooperates with the faith of God. And Scripture says, I know this person. Scripture says, I know this person. Why? Because they go after me. And this is very important. They hear my voice. Through this, I can know them, and they follow me. But a person who does not hear the voice of God in the face of the person whom God has established, pay attention. He said, I do not know you, where you have come from. They said, well, how? You taught us in our streets. We cast out demons in your name. He said, here is written... John ten twenty seven my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He says, I do not know you. Depart from me, you lawless people. What pastor has sent you? That one. Well, this is a lawless one. I've sent myself, well, then you are lawless. Scripture says that he knows only those who have obedience to the voice of the Lord. That's why he said, I do not know you. Depart from me workers of iniquity depart from me yo those who are disobedient disobedient and lawless meaning i know them they go after me they go after me why because they hear the voice in the face of my representatives these are the, the sheep and he directs them to that place Third, a diligent prayer is, a, is viewed in Scripture as a diligent offering to God clothed in the format of tithes, the offering of which allows man to demonstrate brotherly love in his faith. So take a look. A diligent We have diligent prayer in our tithes. Exodus 25, verses 1-2. through 2. Then the Lord God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from, from everyone who gives it. Diligently with his heart you shall take my offering. So God accepts the offering from a person who has diligence. A diligent prayer without a diligent offering to God clothed in the format of tithes is a forgery of a diligent prayer and a diligence to lead a quiet life. Exodus chapter 35, verse 22, They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. So in order to have diligence, it's necessary to prepare the heart for this desire. And both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Furthermore, diligence comes from a willing heart in which God rests, which gives Him the basis to lead us into the quietness of His peace and His rest. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse seven. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver.
2: So, uh,
1: as he proposes in his heart, this is when we. Pro- this is when we prepare a good heart and which is born diligence. Diligence always points to the readiness of a heart to fulfill the will of God and lead a quiet life. Second Corinthians eight twelve. For if there is a diligent mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. This is not all. Diligence without zeal loses its powers and stops being diligence. Second Corinthians chapter nine verses one through two. Now, concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your diligence, at which I boast of you to the Macedonians. That Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Zeal is an ardor expressing itself in inspiration, while diligence is the rejection of laziness and the desired willingness to fulfill the will of God by demonstrating brotherly love and the will to lead a quiet life. Fourth, a diligent prayer. Again, we're defining seven qualities of diligence which are called to be present in prayer. Why we need diligence? Scripture says, have diligence in order to live quietly so that we can keep the atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit can speak to us and reveals His Word in our heart. For this, it is necessary to have diligence. And he who is a, pray- who is a prayer, warrior prayer, has this quality. Fourth, diligent prayer is a sacrifice of Thanksgiving where a person with faith sees his deliverance from all trouble and thanks God for this. Psalms fifty-four verses five through six. I will diligently sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For He has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. So without diligence, we cannot bring a sacrifice to the Lord. So
2: Jesus
1: had never passed by those people who had diligence. Those people cried out to him and said, S- Jesus, Son of David. This is quite a confession. When you say to a person, Jesus, Son of David, you say, before me is Messiah. He says, Shh, quiet, close your mouths. The Son of David, when scripture says, the Son of, Son of in Israel it says, Son of David, they know what will happen from the Son of David, it will be Messiah. And when the, the, the deaf and the blind had yelled this, they were shushed by other people, but Jesus saw their diligence because they had diligence present. We must have this diligent pre- presence when we bring a sacrifice and we ask something of God. We must have this strong diligence. Fifth, a diligent prayer includes the proper relationship to our assembly, which demonstrates brotherly love. Ruth two. two. Sarub so the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. If Ruth had not shown diligence in search for the favor of Boaz in his field, which meant the meeting of saints, which was an indicator of brotherly love in her faith, God would have no reason to introduce her into the genealogy of Jesus Christ, which is the atmosphere of brotherly love. Therefore, we can be partakers of the genealogy of Christ, which is the atmosphere and indicator brotherly love, subject to our partaking, to our assembly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of others together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Sixth. A diligent prayer includes our readiness and our ability to forgive our neighbors in the faith if they have offended us, which demonstrates brotherly love in our faith. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14-15 For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. From the above context, it follows that it is not about all people, but only about our brothers, only about our brothers in faith. Forgiveness, manifested in brotherly love, creates peace and holiness, without which none of us can see the Lord. That's why it says, "Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord." the peace that we create in brotherly love as an expression of holiness gives us the right to be called the sons of god matthew 5 9 blessed are the peacemakers for they should be they shall be called sons of god peacemakers are those people they know who to forgive and who not to forgive we read the notes of pastor last time and he showed us who we can forgive we can forgive the person who has righteousness because when he sins against us, in His Spirit He gives us His righteousness, His garments. And before in Israel, garments were not just out, were also the blanket. They did not have ACs or heaters. They uh, used their garments to cover themselves. Their garments were not just their garments, but also their blankets that they covered themselves with that night. The scripture says that when a person had taken something as a pledge, he had to take off his outer garments and give it to his brother and say, I, I pledge this to you. I, I will bring it back to you. Israel had done this. They had given clothes and gave money. They knew that he would not have a blanket. He is not going to be able to sleep. Where is he going to sleep? It's freezing at night. He's going to constantly think about, I need to give money back. I need to give money back. I'm cold. And scripture turns to this person who took these garments and says, what do you think? Where is your brother right now? He has given his garments to you. Go find him and give it to him. But... When against us sins a lawless person, he does not have garments, he does not have righteousness. We cannot forgive him. I forgive everyone, but the word forgive is the legal act. To forgive means to return something. To return something, to return garments, a person who is lawless, wicked, who does not have righteousness. We cannot forgive. We must give this to in God's hand. I say, Lord, please do not show your anger upon this person. May he be blessed before your your countenance. Must clothe him. But when the wicked are lawless and against us, then we give uh, the work to God so that God can demonstrate his anger and he could act. We forgive only those whom we can, to whom we can return their garments of righteousness. But if we can't, then we must not forgive. We must give place for for God's anger. Seventh, so the diligent prayer includes diligent submission to our masters in the flesh, which allows us to lead a quiet life. Ephesians chapter six, verses five through eight, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of the heart as to Christ, not with eye service, as men pleases, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Without voluntary obedience to our masters in the flesh, with fear and trembling, as to Christ, this is also a forgery or a fake diligence." Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 So to keep the atmosphere in our heart is possible only through diligence. Let us pray and may you be blessed in your prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus
2: Christ, we have loved you.
1: We have come upon this place, Lord, so that with diligence, with great desire, we can magnify and praise your holy name because you are our fortress, you are our stronghold.
2: You are a deliverer,
1: a rock, and in whom we trust, the horn of our salvation, and our refuge. We call upon you as one who is worthy to be praised. And we believe, Lord, that we are going to be delivered from all of our enemies. We are on this place that we will be delivered from all of our enemies. And you, Lord, have heard the prayer of your saints
2: out
1: of your holy temple
2: for your covenant,
1: for your word that is proclaimed in the temple of your body and your saints. In whom dwells the atmosphere of the quietness of God in which the Holy Spirit and the Word of God act. For them, you incline or bow down your heavens, and you come from heaven. You sit upon the cherubims, and you are carried on the wings of the wind.
2: You,
1: Lord, do this for your
2: saints, in the temple of
1: whose bodies is proclaimed the Word of God, with diligence and with great trembling before your holy
2: countenance.
1: You release your arrows,
2: you
1: send your thunder. And you bring our enemies into calamity. You stretch out your hand toward your inheritance. You place them on a broad place in the resurrection of Christ. Because, Lord, they have gained favor before your countenance. We thank you that we have found favor in Christ Jesus before your countenance we thank you that today we are able to hear the word the word that will be able to transform us into that image and we thank you for this royal word that you offer to the children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we thank you for the depth of this revelation for the importance of it and that we today can be clothed in our proclamations.
2: And thank you for the coming
1: of the fruit of righteousness and the fruit of brotherly love in our life. Lord, we have heard the word today and we thank you that this word is an illumination not just in our heart, but in our thinking. And therefore, we have made the voluntary or the willful decision, the rational decision, with that soul that has passed through the death of the Lord Jesus and that is placed in complete dependence on
2: the revelations
1: on your revelations through your messenger
2: so
1: that from the early morning at the morning of the resurrection of Christ and the victory of Christ we can cast out the one who slanders slanders against our neighbor and so that we can cast out the wicked from the earth. We ask you, Lord, so that today the wicked and the lawless that are found in the face of our desires, our thoughts, so that they could be cast out. Cast out from your land. We thank you that our bodies are your land because you have paid the price not just for our spirit but for our soul and for our body. And we, Lord, proclaim Before you today, that before you reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies, so that all the wicked and the lawless could leave this body, that the old man today could be bound by the proclamation of the lips of saints with diligence. We thank you, Lord, that today our gratitude to you, the great desire and great diligence, allows you
2: to throw
1: the slander into hell. And you do this through the blood of your Lamb, the proclamation of our lips. You cannot do anything without the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And you do this when we are clothed in the powers, on the foundation of the blood, and we proclaim your righteousness.
2: And we demonstrate
1: our hatred toward the wicked of all the earth, and we ask you, Lord, so that today the slander could be thrown out from heaven
2: of every
1: of every holy person we forbid the slander to slander against our spirit we thank you for justification as a gift that we have received in christ jesus we've received it not on the foundation of the works of the law but on the foundation of that which you have done on the foundation of your blood and now lord we are found in your righteousness and we proclaim your righteousness in the face of jesus christ your victory We consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And we set aside all slander, all thoughts that push us to service, the service of condemnation. We thank you, Lord, for the justification that we have, and we do not want to do anything to receive justification. We want to accept it because this is what you have done. We thank you for the justification, the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus and allow us to now grow in this righteousness, offering fruits of your holiness, the fruits of life.
2: We cast out
1: the slanders, the slander against the Lord in the face of the messengers of God. We ask you, Lord, you have said that you know how to do this and that the mystery of lawlessness will be overcome with the mystery of godliness may your church lord be freed from the one who slanders against the neighbor who represents the delegated authority and the fatherhood of god on the foundation of your word May your Church be freed from the slander that slanders against the foreigner, the widow, and the orphan. We ask you to continue to cleanse your Church as you have always done. We could simply just watch and grow in awe of your work and see your Divine Hand, the Hand of a Great Master. And we ask You, Lord, about this being found in complete humility and trembling before You.
2: Because we know that we also
1: allow us, Lord, to keep the atmosphere of quietness in our heart. Allow us to demonstrate Diligence and a strong desire to keep the atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit can grow His Word in our heart. We value this
2: atmosphere. And we keep
1: this atmosphere of quietness of God. In which we desire to do our work to do our work in the Church of God, and to be there
2: where no one
1: wants to do that which no one wants to do. Allow us to see in this our great calling and purpose. And now allow us to not strive there where everyone strives, and not, do, not, not do that which everyone wants to do. Allow us to find ourselves in the quietness of your divine atmosphere, And in the work of your hands, there where we can see you. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to work with our hands. We thank you that among us there are those that are not those that are lazy, that we can, with great diligence, serve you and help one another.
2: Because here dwells the atmosphere of brotherly love
1: we value this atmosphere
2: and
1: and this is not the gain of a single person but the Jesus Jesus Christ and all of those who are with Christ by the power of the holy spirit and who keep this great atmosphere of the quietness of god in which we hear the voice of the lord and lord when we hear your voice our body trembles our
2: here
1: stands up because when you speak you speak with an authoritative voice but you speak an authoritative voice authoritative voice when we create an atmosphere for you and we Lord create this atmosphere for your voice so that you can speak
2: your
1: mercy for your saints
2: because
1: all heaven Holy Spirit, Son of God, angels of God, look upon you and they will wait for you to give the right to the Son to take up to take up those who have died in you and have kept themselves in faith until the day of your coming. All the heavens with trembling look upon you, Lord,
2: just Son,
1: your church on earth, your church that dwells on earth, that dwells on earth, it creates this divine atmosphere,
2: this atmosphere
1: that is in heaven, let it also be here on earth, because you,
2: the atmosphere in
1: heaven is created by you, and the atmosphere on earth Is created for you by a
2: person growing
1: Eden in his heart a meeting with you in the Eden of his heart we keep this great atmosphere I thank you Lord for this great revelation that allows you to do something in heaven We thank You, Lord, for these truths. We thank You for those revelations that were hidden and that You have revealed to us today through the preached Word. We thank You, Lord, that today this has become attainable and understandable by us. We thank You that we have seen our great fate and our great calling. And this gives us joy. This gives us joy that You don't want to do Anything and you can't do anything without your saints, without your saints that are on the earth. Understanding this great mission, we, now more than ever, clothing ourselves in great trembling and great humility.
2: Allow
1: us, Lord, to keep this divine atmosphere and not allow any slander neither in ourselves, nor in the Church, nor in Heaven, to slander against our neighbor. We destroy all slander, and we hold on to this great atmosphere, and we thank you for that revelation that we have heard. We ask you for this revelation for you to continue to speak to us through your messenger of God, in which you placed in your church and to whom you delegated to whom you delegated your agreement of me to pass along to us and you have allowed us as your servants to accept this word to understand this word and to proclaim it in prayer so important for us we thank you Lord for this revelation and this prayer and we proclaim that word proclaiming that word we are clothed in this truth and we unite ourselves with this word, we bind ourselves with this truth, and with this truth we bind our old man. Thank you, Lord, that we can, with diligence, with the proclamation of our lips, to bind our old man. May your holy name be blessed upon this place, our almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.